from Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Yesterday, last night, an MVP stood on the floor and reminded us all why he's the MVP. And in the process, he reminded us all of one lesson we talked about all day yesterday. When you have your chance to choke them out, when you have your chance to absolutely beat somebody down, you have to take advantage of it. That's exactly what Philadelphia did. And now the Sixers have a 3-2 lead on the Celtics, who are sitting on the brink of of elimination. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance HD. I was watching last night and I just kept thinking about what you said. When you have that moment, you got to choke them out. And last night, Philly came out with the passion. They came out with the energy. They came out with the fire. And every time Boston tried to push their way back into the game, Philly just said no. It was an, an just a dominant performance from the 76ers. Well, I I thought the city of uh, brotherly love, the Philadelphia 76ers, they were very intentional in how they wanted to start that basketball game, Fitz. They understood the circumstances, right? And sometimes you might get lucky and end up in a 2-2 series because Boston could have easily swept them. But when you find yourself 2-2 and you have an opportunity to go on someone's home court and win game five and you actually get that win – I got to give everyone in the Philadelphia 76ers organization a lot of credit because they were intent in what they wanted to do last night. And it started with, you know, the MVP award winner, Joel Embiid, having six points early on, but being aggressive and setting the tone for the Sixers the entire night. It was, I love the way you said setting the tone because the tone last night was one of dominance from Philadelphia from the outset. And what was funny to me is we've seen this a lot throughout the course of the playoffs. One thing that I think I begged teams to do at this point is be consistent, right? Like, I feel like every single day we're coming in and saying, just somebody come out and play consistent basketball. Well, not only did Philadelphia do that within the game, but how often have we seen teams go on runs? We talked about that in the Lakers-Warriors game uh, yesterday. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the fact that you saw 10 points from one side, 11 points from the other side. Last night, particularly in the third and early in the fourth, Boston was given everything they had to chip in and try and get this thing back to single digits, get this thing back to a point where it was just going to be uncomfortable and recapture momentum. And what was amazing is that it wasn't just Embiid. It wasn't just Harden. Guys like Maxi were just stepping up and hitting huge shots in huge moments. And it really felt like Philly understood the assignment, but they also understood what was necessary in this game. And it was refreshing, frankly, to see a team come out with that level of front to front tip, from tip to buzzer, that level of intensity. Well, yeah, you look at the supporting cast, like you just mentioned, Tyrese Maxey, a young guy, right, who's led by Sam Cassell. You have a head coach in Doc Rivers who played the guard position in the NBA. So now he has two people to really, you know, teach him the ins and outs of the basketball game since he's came into the NBA, and he's doing a tremendous job, scoring 30 points last night. I won't say he ha- he's had the best of series, but when they needed him the most in game five, he showed up and showed out, hit six threes, but the timely baskets, getting to the lane, not just doing it from the perimeter, doing it with his driving and, and, and ball handling skills. 
it was a, a thing of beauty to be able to see, but also Tobias Harris, you know, chipping in with his 16 points and 11 rebounds and very efficient from the field, 7-4-11. The supporting cast of the MVP winner, Joel Embiid, showed up last night, and they got a little extra spring. You know how you get your little cake? Well, I, t- I take my kids and we get cake and ice cream all the time. Oh, God, I love and that. They, can, can I have sprinkles? Can I have gummy worms? Can I have all this Sour Patch Kids on top of the sweets? Well, Joel Embiid was the cake and the ice cream. You know, James Harden and everyone else in company, they're the sprinkles, they're the gummy worms, they're the Sour Patch Kids. Daniel House came off the bench, hit 10 points. Those guys, the supporting cast, did their job last night, and I think one of the most important games in the Philadelphia 76ers organization overall. Okay, Harry, a couple of important questions. Number one, uh, when you put gummy bears in ice cream, they get kind of tough, right? Like they kind of freeze up. What about yeah. do, do, do Sour Patch Kids handle the ice cream better, or do, do they stay a little chewy, or do they also get? I don't kind know, of, Fitz. Uh, I don't okay. eat all that damn nonsense. Oh well, I mean, My you kids eat, eat like it. a child, so I like also. I do. Uh, where, are, where are we on <laughs> ice cream cake? Like, couldn't you just consolidate all of this and go ice cream cake out of the out of the that's gate? Go- that's another great point. Okay, you know what? If, if it's sweets, my kids are eating it. You know, I get in trouble with my wife a lot because you know I like to reward my kids when mm-hmm. they do great. My wife tells me, "Well, you can't reward them every time they do great." And I, I, tell, I tell her, "Why the hell not?" I mean, I mean, if they if they do great things, I want to give them greatness. I, I don't. But I, the supporting cast the re- rewarded Embiid last night. I, you're right? Not, He's the wrong. MVP water and the supporting cast did everything they need to do. Well, speaking of the MVP, this is what Joel Embiid had to say at his press conference afterwards about how it feels to be up 3-2 in this series. I don't care. I honestly don't care. We still got to get one more win. That's all I'm thinking about right now. Uh, and then obviously you're going home, so you're going to have a lot of you know energy, the crowd. I would imagine everybody plays better at home too. I do play better at home. What we did tonight, easier said than done, but got to do it again. I'm excited for it. Oh, he understands the task at hand. He understands, Fitz, that the mission is not complete. Yet the Sixers are up 3-2. But the MVP winner just stated he doesn't care. The, ne- the, the most important game for him and his team right now is game six. But Joel Embiid, I got to tell you this, my man. You showed up and you came to ball last night. 33 points, seven rebounds, four blocks, three three-pointers. But Fitz, it's the way he did it. From the three-point line, from the mid-range, with his back to the basket, in the paint, blocking shots on the defensive end. Uh, overall, all-around game for, from, from Embiid. Yeah, I don't doubt all of that. I will tell you maybe one reason he doesn't care. Uh, Doc Rivers, at this point, has the third worst win percentage in a potential series-clinching game all time. Of any head coach all time. In fact, Doc Rivers is 17 and 31 in his career when they have the opportunity to clinch a series. Where is that? 31 losses are the most of any coach in that spot all time. And in fact, one more, Boston has won six best of seven series when they trailed three games to two. That's two more than any other franchise in the history of the NBA. So part of the reason Embiid doesn't care is because, frankly, Harry, he can't care. And, and to your point, I don't think any – I say this all the time. I know it drives people crazy. I don't think any of that history matters to what we're going to see in a couple of nights. What we know in a couple of nights is that when Embiid plays that way, when the Sprinkles – that's now what I'm calling the entire supporting cast – plays that way, when James Harden plays as undeniable as he has played at times Ooh, in this series, there you go. when all there of these go. things happen together – Man, that, this, this Philly team has that special go. it. And, and for me, I think the most important piece outside of Embiid to me is James Harden. And we've seen James Harden score 40-plus points over two, game, or two games in this series. 
I don't think the Philadelphia 76ers need that from James Harden in game six and seven. What they need is what we've seen last night. He only shot the ball eight times, but he had 17 points, 10 assists, eight rebounds. He really controlled the pace, controlled the tempo, got the Sixers into their offensive sets, delivered the basketball where it needed to go, but was efficient in shooting the basketball as well. That's what they need from James Harden. They can't get the James Harden who's shooting two for 14, and next thing you know, he's shot the 76ers out of the game. That's the Harden they can't have. The Harden that they, they must have is the Harden that we've seen last night, and I'll throw like probably five more points on top of it. got to be 20-plus points. I, I think you're right, though, because as I make the joke often, uh, James Harden in big games has a reputation of forgetting how to basketball. We all know that. He's had some regrettable moments in big games, right? If you're looking at James Harden in this situation, there is a little bit of like, here's the here's the path. Here's the puzzle. Here's the way you put mm-hmm. it together. I don't need you to be Superman in this situation. I don't even need you to be uh, the best player on the court. I don't even need you to be the second best player on the court. Just go out there and be efficient at what you do. You, you, you say it all the time. I think we're going to stamp it on every playoff conversation we have. Know your role and do your job. The job of James Harden in this playoff series is to be a contributor that does not take away by being in inefficient in an attempt to be a contributor. As complicated as that sounds, Harry. But, but it's funny because uh, I'm watching the game last night, and even Joel B understands that Harden is the orchestrator. He, he's the one to get everything, gets everything set up offensively for them. He got an offensive rebound, and B did, and he easily could have put it back up, and I don't know why he didn't, but he kicked it back out to Harden. They went to the pick-and-roll game, and Harden got him an even better shot, and he knocked it down. But that told me right then that Embiid trusts Harden, but he also knows that he needs him. He needs him to be not spectacular, but just to do his job and he'd be efficient doing it. But he has no problem kicking the ball out, out back out to him so he can set things back up so they can get the best shot possible as a team. Yeah, and if you ever need a reminder of dominance, we talk a lot about boards on this show. And if you look at the rebounds, 49 last night for Philadelphia, 36 for Boston. That's not just getting beat on the boards in the course of a game. That's getting your ass kicked in the boards in the course of a game. Let's get it very, very clear. Now, Philly's up 3-2. We'll keep breaking down that series from a bunch of different angles because there's a lot to get to. But, coming up, the defending champs are on the ropes facing elimination tonight. But we'll tell you why all their issues may have actually started before the season even began. We'll explain it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. The Warriors fall once again on the road, dropping games three and four to the Lakers in Los Angeles. Now they return to San Francisco for a must-win game five. Will they survive? Coverage begins tonight at 9.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. fall once again on the road, dropping games three and four to the Lakers in Los Angeles. Now they return to San Francisco for a must-win game five. Will they survive? Coverage begins tonight at 9.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed.
Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. If you listen to the show, you know music is always a theme for us on the show. We love it. Uh, it it's Love Fridays. We've decided it's, it's uh, you know, just white people Wednesdays. Just playing the, we're straight down what, the middle, what like I, what did I middle-aged tell you? white what did people I, what music. What did I tell you about the name of it? Well, what did I tell you? We wanted to be inclusive. White Boy we, we, Wednesdays. But we wanted to be inclusive because, like, you know, the, uh, white girls like this music, too. So, like, we're just all in, like, uh, white, white folk <laughs> Wednesday. I don't know. How, like, <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> Devin. You're so red right now. <laughs> oh, oh, God. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Oh, it's Fitz and Harry. Uh, he's Harry Douglas. I'm Chris Canny. Uh, and uh, and uh, I don't know what we're doing anymore. Uh, this We're just having a little fun. Obviously, as we get into the conversation about tonight, uh, there's a lot of conversation about the Warriors and what we should expect. But here's what's interesting here. It is only interesting because Draymond Green, we all know the platform that Draymond has. And we all know Draymond's willingness to use his platform to speak. In fact, when he talks, everybody listens. So a little surprising because Jay, because at this point, he spoke, and he spoke specifically about what he expects on his podcast, on the Volume Sports, about what he expects from everybody on the roster. But... He leaves one person out. Check it out. Uh-oh. Clay will play better. I have no doubt in my mind I'll play better. Steph had an incredible game. Expect more of the same or even more from him. And everybody else will play great. Uh, Moses Moody's been giving us great minutes. Dante gave us some good minutes last night. GP gave great minutes. Loon, when Loon's in there, he's giving great minutes. Wiggs was aggressive. Listen, I'm living with it. And we just didn't make the plays we needed to make down the stretch to win the game. We'll make those plays. I have no doubt in my mind. So, Harry, he mentioned everybody, but he didn't mention Jordan Poole. That doesn't seem like it's an accident. The one he punched? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The one he knocked the hell out? (laughs) What a coincidence. I mean, well, 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 I I would would tell you this, man. One thing I know about Draymond, man, is that um, Draymond is mentally strong, physically strong. And one thing I can tell you about the Golden State Warriors as well, they don't have time for people to be in their feelings, man. They, 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 they really don't. And they have done some tremendous things over the years since Steph and Clay and Dre, those three musketeers, well, those three phenomenal players, I should say, uh, four championships. And there has been a formula, right? No one is bigger than the team. As great as Steph is, as great as Clay shoots the basketball, as great as Draymond is on the defensive end, they understand that no one individual it's greater than the team's success. And that's how you get the success, by having that mindset, but everyone holding their weight. I just think they feel like Jordan Poole right now It doesn't have that mindset. And I'll tell you, it's kind of affecting his play, not just in this series, but you look at the last three games of the Sacramento series. Jordan Poole in game five had 10 points. In game six, he had seven. In game seven, he had eight. He had the 21-point game in game one of this series, but the next three versus the Lakers, he had six, five, and zero points. And you can just see from his body language on the basketball court that he's not locked in, he's not engaged at the moment. So it's kind of rubbing, I think, the Golden State Warriors the wrong way. Not just Draymond, but I think multiple people on that basketball team. Yeah, but at some point, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance on Fitz and Harry don't we and we did this a little yesterday we talked a little about this yesterday but i just keep thinking about the punch and as many jokes as i've made about the punch over the course of this for anyone that didn't see it in the preseason there was a scuffle in practice and draymond punched jordan Poole. somehow that footage got out let's remember 
the the complaint afterwards was less about the punch and more about the fact that somebody felt empowered to leak that footage. Now, y'all know we we love our our guys on this show. We love everybody that works on this show. Uh, Evan is our great producer. If I walk in and I just one day am having an issue with Evan and I punch him, and like all the bosses know that I punched him, I just I just Debo him as we like to say in this show. You know, straight from Friday he got knocked out. I just I I punch him in the middle of it, and our bosses come into the room and their first reaction is. Who leaked the footage? Who put it out on Twitter? Like, <laughs> that says something, right? Like, if, if somebody walks in and punches a teammate and everybody else's first response isn't like, like, I know you, Harry. We're friends. I know if somebody walked up and punched me, you would immediately have my back. If somebody walked you. up and punched me and then you looked around the room and you're like, who's, who's leaking this out? Like, who put this out on social media? You're really telling me you were okay with me getting punched. Like, that just still sticks in my head because now we're seeing a Jordan Poole that doesn't seem right and has not seemed right all year. Not the same Jordan Poole we saw in the playoffs last but, year. Like, but let me, it's just let not me say there. this, though. Because uh, from Jordan Poole's perspective, if he felt some type of way, and I know sometimes it might be harder uh, than what I'm actually saying to do, but if he felt some type of way and felt like it was going to be an issue the rest of the time that he was in Golden State, right then and there, him and his agent should have said, I want to be traded. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I don't feel like I can be here and still accomplish what I want to accomplish with what happened to me. So I'm, a, I'm also going to put that, that, that side of it on him and his agent. Then you, you got to let somebody know that you don't want to be there if you're Jordan Poole. Well, and, and there was a great, forgive me because I don't remember all the details, you know, it's a, you know, I party too much. I don't remember all the details of one of your stories that we had somebody tell us, but you were in the tunnel and one of your former coaches was talking about you were in the tunnel, you'd mixed it up a little bit with a player, you thought it was going to get heated after after practice or whatever, and you were yeah. just ready, you were squared up and ready, and whoever <laughs> it was that you were squared up and ready for was like, no, 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 man, we leave that on the field, that happened on the field. That's the moment that needed to happen here. Like somebody yep. in this process, and, and and maybe it did. We don't know. Maybe it did. And, 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 I, and I was young too, Fitz. I was young and I and I didn't know. But you know, some, some of the older guys, including the guy that I got into a fight with on the football field was like, hey man, like, LaDoug, we good, man. Like, we, we gonna leave that on the field. We, we moving forward. But like you mentioned though, that that is a portion of it that should have been discussed. And, and if it didn't, then we have questions on why Jordan Poole is acting the way he's acting right now. And that's the thing. Like, if it got discussed, it obviously didn't get resolved, right? Uh, if yeah. Jordan Poole feels some kind of way, we don't know we're not in that locker room. But we do know that multiple reports said Steph said he had to give sort of a win one for the Gipper speech to everybody in the Sacramento uh, series. And according to reports, Jordan Poole but, was one of the people even, who was but, pointing but that. But even that, though, bothers me because why should – a, 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 a team that has won four championships out of the six they've been to over the last eight years, why should Steph Curry have to give a speech like that? The body of work speaks for itself, but it also shows you the mental mindset of some of the young guys that they have on this roster. Could you imagine from when you were playing, if you were sitting in the, if you were sitting in the, the, the locker room, and you guys have a huge moment, and you're on a Super Bowl team, and ev like you're on a dynastic Super Bowl team, and Patrick Mahomes has to get up to get you pumped for your job. Like I, I don't understand that. Like that's the equivalent in football is like having to watch Tom Brady stand up and say like everybody needs to do their job. Like there's this moment of when you are part of the Warriors, that's just part of the culture. So it, yep. it feels like that part of the culture is cracked this year. And Jordan Poole just hasn't been able to get right through any of it. And, man, at this point, I don't know how you resolve that. As much as I'd love to see this series go seven, and I'd love to see a redemption story for Jordan Poole that proves all of this wrong, that's just hard for me to find that path. You, you, know, you know what helps it? 
if you're Jordan Poole going out there and hitting your shots and balling out and the Warriors winning, yeah. that, that, that helps it. <laughs> that helps it a lot, yeah. honestly. Winning fixes everything. Fitz and Harry is presented by Progressive Insurance. Make sure your family's well taken care of with life insurance. Protect your phones, laptops, and more with electronic device insurance. And cover your furry friends with pet health insurance. I love you, Annabelle. All right, the Warriors are not the only team that were in the NBA Finals and now one loss away from going home in the second round. We'll tell you what's wrong with the Celtics and give you some surprising stats about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and Sirius XM Channel 80. The Beard with eight to shoot off a high screen by Joel. He bounces to a B to B with another 15-footer. This time it's on the money. The Sixers are going to win this game here in Boston. We, we still got to, you know, got to get one more win. That's all I'm thinking about right now. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Beard with eight to shoot off a high screen by Joel. He bounces to a B to B with another 15-footer. This time it's on the money. Shot clock down to five. Maxi on a drive. Pulls up on Smart. Remy good. Tyrese Maxi 23. Brown into the lane. Brown goes up. It be blocked it. Maxi saves it. Joel with an incredible defensive play. The Sixers are gonna win this game here in Boston. We still gotta, you know, gotta get one more win. That's all I'm thinking about right now. It's in Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. All right. Joel Embiid is only worried about the next game. We don't really do radio that way. Everything's got to be sweeping and huge and drastic, Harry. But we will try and figure out what we saw and what we will see with our next guest. Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter, joining us. Tim, always appreciate your time. So what did you see from the Sixers that you think carries forward for the rest of this series? I saw a really composed, disciplined performance from start to finish. And that's not something that we've typically seen from the Sixers in the past. It's certainly not in that kind of situation, but... You know, going into Boston Garden, winning that game last night, and doing so in the fashion that they did, with really a methodical, you know, composed, controlled performance from start to finish, uh, that was as impressive a game as I think Philly has played in the Joel Embiid era. And, you know, as you said, after the game, Joel didn't want to talk about that. He wanted to focus on the future. But the fact of the matter is, this team has given themselves a chance with one more win to do something they haven't done in a generation, which is make the conference finals. And, they're going to be heavy favorites to make the finals, and they'll have home court advantage when they get there. So, incredibly impressive performance, and gives them a chance to do some pretty special things here if they can get one more win. 
Yeah, and they haven't done that, Tim, since Allen Iverson was there, and then they actually went to the finals before losing to Kobe. But what has been the recipe for the success that the Sixers are having at this moment? Um, the thing that uh, the, the thing that's just really impressed me from the start is just in their level of fortitude and resolve that they haven't had a chance. They haven't really shown um, in past years. Um, when you look at this, when you think about this team. When you look at this team in the past, they just haven't had the same um, the same ability to fight back for adversity in difficult situations. Um, you know, they haven't. Uh, you know, they've struggled last year. They lose Game Six at home to Miami to lose that series, and that's sort of the kind of performance that they've had in these spots. You know, they go to Miami in a two-two series in Game Five, chance to go ahead and go home and win. They get blown out. Um, you know, they lose Game Seven at home to Atlanta. Um, they, they just haven't, they've failed to take advantage of opportunities in the past. And I think you saw from the opening tip of that game last night, the Sixers were locked in. They were focused on what they needed to do. And as a result, they came up with a massive victory. And look, I thought Philly could win that game last night, but I thought they would need to win it with Joel Embiid having an iconic you know, 45, 50-point game. And he didn't do that, but they just methodically took apart the Celtics over the course of that game. And... Uh, that was not what I expected to see, and it was really, really impressive to see them do it in that fashion. So, Tim, what are we supposed to make of the Celtics at this point? The Celtics are a team that, despite being the deepest and most versatile team in the league, has become a one-note team. And they are, if they make threes, they win, and if they don't, they lose. And it's really that simple. Over the course of this season, the Celtics are 34-2 and when they hit 40% of their threes. They are 29-8 and when they make less than 40% of their three after last night's loss. They become a 500 team when they don't hit shots. And that's because they're a team that has really just leaned into the identity of being a three-point shooting team. That, that is what they do. Um, and, you know, when Joe Mazzula talks after games, that's the first thing he talks about is the math and whether they've made, made threes and whether they've taken more threes. And, you know, last year this is a team that was built around the defensive identity of having Robert Williams and Al Horford on the back line. They played Grant Williams a lot more. You know, Ime Adoka sort of lean defense when he had a choice, whether to go offense or defense. Well, when you look at what this Celtics team is now under Joe Mazzulla, they lean offense. They're an offense first team. They're starting Derek White. They're playing small. They hardly ever play Williams and Horford together. Um, you know, they, they, Joe Mazzulla defaults to the offensive choice and the offensive solution to a problem. And, look, that's won them a lot of games. It's gotten them in the position that they're in. But you saw last night, when those threes weren't falling, there wasn't really a plan B. It was just, all right, well, we've just got to keep shooting more threes. And, you know, that certainly could work. They could make 25 threes tomorrow and win. Wouldn't surprise me if they do. But it's made them a much higher variance team than I think they should be with the amount of talent that they have at their disposal. And, Tim, you mentioned last year – in which there, it was last year when we heard a lot of rumblings about the future of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown before those guys actually went on that run and went to the NBA Finals. You kind of sort of, sort of hear it a little bit more nowadays. What do you see as the future of those two players when it comes to being a Boston Celtic? I don't think they're going anywhere. I expect Jalen Brown to make the All-NBA team tonight uh, when it's announced on TNT at 7, and I think he'll be – 
part of this franchise moving forward. And, I, I mean, look, the Celtics have an incredibly deep, versatile roster. They've got, I think, the most talented roster in the league. Um, I think Philly and Boston are the two teams left in the playoffs, our best, two best teams left in the playoffs. I think whoever wins this series should be a pretty considerable favorite to win the championship. And if they lose this series, I think they have to go back to the drawing board a little bit in terms of their offensive approach, try to get some more variance in their game. I think they need to get Robert Williams back as a bigger factor in their team going forward. But I don't think that, you know, you know, all hope is lost here. And I think you can look across the way at the Sixers as proof of that. The Sixers went into the offseason. They made some uh, tweaks to their roster. They brought in P.J. Tucker. They changed their approach a little bit this year. And they've had a ton of success. And, you know, I certainly think the Celtics are more than capable of doing the same thing. And I also think they're more than capable of winning two more games and winning the championship. I mean, remember, they were down 3-2 to Milwaukee last year, going to Milwaukee to face Giannis in the box and got a huge Jason Tatum game in one game six and a huge Al Horford game in one game six. They could easily do the same thing again tomorrow. But, yeah, I don't, I don't think they're breaking those two guys up, but I do think if they do lose this series, they do have to ask some questions about their approach because they end up losing because they don't make enough threes. That's just not a position I think this team should be in where that is the thing that's determining their fate. Tim, always appreciate your time and expertise, especially as busy as you are through the playoffs, my friend. Thanks for hanging out with us. Anytime, guys. Talk to you soon. That's Tim Bontemps, ESPN NBA reporter, joining us. The NBA playoffs are on ESPN Radio. Tonight, the Warriors host the Lakers, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Tim expects Brown and Tatum to be back. We'll tell you why they are absolutely not the problem with the Celtics. Tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Whether you rent or own, GEICO makes it easy to bundle home and car insurance. Go to GEICO.com today. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Sixers storm into Boston and win game five to take a 3-2 series lead over the Celtics. Now we return to Philly where Boston faces a must-win game six. Will they survive? Coverage begins tomorrow at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on ESPN. You can also listen on the ESPN app and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Presented by Indeed. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, I got to ask you, as this song plays on what we're now coining White Folk Wednesday, um, <laughs> all, like, if you are a middle-aged white person and this comes on at the cookout, everybody's just going to bob. Like, there's this little, like, shoulder thing that happens, like... Is, so it, is it just that, though? Is no, it just like, the shoulders, or is it shoulders. the shoulders with, along with a doobie in their hand? Uh, well, that depends on who you are. Like, I'm not going to judge either way. My question <laughs> is, like, what's the, what's the you know, 
I mean, what's the urban equivalent of that? Like, is there a song that when it comes on at the barbecue, like everybody just pops? Like, and then everybody sings them, but it's like a peaceful song. You, it's know, not you like, said the urban uh, equivalency of, of a, of a yeah, doobie? Uh, uh, we no, call no, it a no. joint. No, no, a brown eyed girl. I know what the urban equivalent is. Oh. Like, I understand the urban equivalent. Oh, or of, a blunt. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's what that's they call what it. I, like, well, you're my age. That's what I grew up like. Come on, I'm PG County in high school. Like, I grew up with the little thin, uh, hey. you know. All right, anyway, I, not I that anybody cares about that. I'm trying to. But, no, I'm just curious because Brown Eyed Girl comes on at the cookout, and I'm, I swear to God, if you are 30 to 75 and you are white and Brown Eyed Girl starts playing at the cookout, everybody bobs their shoulders, and then it's like, la, 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 la. everybody <laughs> sings along. Like, is there an easy listening sing-along that's always played at the like, at the cookout that you go to down in Atlanta that's equally, is just, just a little head bob groove, like just a little simple, but everybody's singing it light in the bottom. But of it's her. multiple songs, you know, mm-hmm. as the liquor is going through your body and you're feeling extra good as you know you for white boy wednesday as the doobie is going through your yeah, body mm-hmm. and you're feeling extra good as you see a bunch of pretty ladies dancing and your friends are there and y'all are laughing having a great time I just, there are plenty of songs I just like think that, that the, plenty the, of them. the difference between like when i go to a cookout and you go to the cookout is when you go to the cookout like it it hits a little harder like everything goes a little harder when i go oh, to the yeah. cookout you know it's it's like everybody's just standing around and brown eyed girls in the background and you know they're bobbing <laughs> the shoulder okay uh I, I think See, I'm at my cookouts, you got spades, dominoes being played. Yeah, you know, people talking reckless and crazy on the spades table. Mm-hmm. No matter if someone's wife is on the table, when she gets on that table, she understands the circumstances. But when she, she gets on it, everything is off the table, speech wise. As soon as you get on the spades table, did. This is, why, this is why I want to go to your cookout because uh, a, I mean, I paid my bills for a while paying spades. Like, let's not get it twisted. Like, this was a thing for me. But also, like in my cookout, it's going to be flip cup and cornhole, right? Like, nothing yep. screams white cookout more than flip cup and cornhole. Like, let's just be Correct. honest. Flip cup and, and cornhole and beer, and beer, beer pong. Beer pong. Uh, oh, oh, beer pong. Yeah, Devin, yep. tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm describing every Connecticut cookout right now. Flip cup, beer pong, cornhole, brown eyed girl. Tell me I'm wrong. No, you're right, and I'll dominate all of you and all. Oh of my teams. god! And yeah, what? and then you got that guy, the former. Like I played basketball in fifth grade, so now I'm going to be good at all these. I played things, AAU guys. basketball <laughs> in was, sixth grade, and I was a star in elementary school. I was faster than everybody, so I'm going to be good at these drinking Shut games. Shut the now. hell up! What, <laughs> my name's Devin. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! See, that's the difference also between the cookout, uh, you know, in the north of the Mason-Dixon line, cookout south of the Mason-Dixon yeah. line. Cookout, you go, to, you go to Harry's cookout, right? The guy that says the least is the guy you're the most worried about. Like the guy mm-hmm. that just sits down at the spades table and is like, "Yeah, I'll play." That's the guy you're like, "Okay, things are hitting a little more serious right now." I, I'm just. We're here to just explain to everybody as you get ready for your summer. Uh, Fitz and Harry, uh, we'll get Evan to chime in later on this because I know he just wants me to move to sports. I will now. I want you to hear what Danny, what Danny Green, three-time NBA champion, said this morning on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max about what he was expecting from the Celtics. I think a lot of us were expecting, because they were in the finals last year, we were expecting them to, not say breeze through the East, uh, but be kind of clear head and you know, shoulders above most of the teams in the East and show some maturity from last year. I think they went through, no disrespect to Joe Mazzula, he's done an amazing job, but I think with the, the coaching change, a lot of different things throughout the year have affected that that growth and that maturity. Um, it's hard to see what their identity should be because they're a little inconsistent at times. I agree with, with the back part of what Danny Green is talking about. The new coaching situation for the Boston Celtics, within a year, 
coming into this season, they're thinking that they're going to be able to grow off of what they did last year, going to the NBA Finals, thinking Udoka was going to be their coach. But then, boom, all kind of craziness happens. Now Joe Mazzula is their head coach. So now that growth, in my eyes, kind, kind of stops. Because you had a guy who challenged these guys defensively to be their best, but to also a greater good for team success. And since from January all the way up to the NBA Finals, no team was better than the Boston Celtics defensively. Now you have a guy in Joe Mazzulla who comes in who might not be as defensive-minded as Udoka, does things a little differently. You don't see the Robert Williams and Al Horford out there together. And coming into this season, right, well, I'll say this playoffs, they're not even top five in, 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 in defense. Last year they were fourth in the playoffs. No, they were third in the playoffs last year, number one in the regular season. They're not even top five right now. And it showed in the Atlanta Hawks series. It's shown right now in this series against the Philadelphia 76ers. I don't think this team is locked in like we've seen them locked in last year. Of course you had some blemishes here and there a season ago during the playoff run that they made, but you didn't have as many in the first two rounds like we've seen the Boston Celtics have right now at this moment. And I think part of that is because of the head coaching change from Udoka to Joe Mazzulla. And Joe Mazzulla's young, right? And I think he's going to be a fantastic coach in the NBA moving forward. But he's going through his growing pains right now with a team who is trying to win a championship right now. And that's why like, it feels like such a bad fit right now. It didn't earlier in this season. But right now, I think you're right. There's a learning curve happening. But the Celtics couldn't put themselves in this situation because they're not in a situation where they're building. They're in a situation where they're trying to win right now. And you talk about defense, but I think this is pretty alarming. And I'll credit Second Spectrum Sports here. The 76ers defense. like the, this, we, we talk so much about the Celtics defense. The 76ers defense has forced more ISO sets the last two games than Boston has played at all at any point in this entire season. So what we're seeing is that the 76ers defensively are dictating what the Celtics get to do offensively, and they haven't been able to counter-adjust. Like, this is the first time we talk about adjustments all the time, that we're looking at Missoula saying, okay, you need to be able to adjust. One of the things we've loved about the Lakers-Warriors series is you see tweaks from one coach game one, then the other game two. Like, it's a back and forth, right? We're not seeing that back and forth from Missoula. So we're seeing less defensive intensity from the Celtics, and we're seeing the Celtics be pushed around offensively because, frankly, the 76ers are bringing more defensive intensity the last two games particularly. That's how we're here. That's what, like, this is coaching. And you're right, he's learning on the fly, but at what cost to what they could have done this year? And we're also looking at a, uh, looking at a Boston Celtic te- team who relies heavily on the three ball, right? So when those three balls don't go down, in which it didn't in game five, now you're struggling. Now you add Cherry on top, and this team isn't the defensive juggernaut that they, that they were a year ago. All those things combined together, along with a new head coach in Joe Mazzula, who wasn't in this situation as a head coach a year ago, all of those things play in the factor, and those players sometimes may feel that. Yeah, this is going to be the, the portion of the playoff that I think Boston's always going to look back. These games have been so close that rather than sitting here saying, does Boston need to blow everything up and try something brand new? The question is, did Boston waste an opportunity this year to take advantage of a very close and wide open playoff by simply putting themselves in this learning curve? All right, we'll keep breaking it down, but coming up, did one NFL team make a mistake with one move they made two weeks ago? We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio.
Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 